So this is the second week of Advent, the second of four weeks. And this season of Advent, like we've already kind of talked about and alluded to a little bit this morning, if you weren't with us last week, is a season in the church calendar leading up to Christmas Day, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, where we prepare our hearts and prepare our minds and our spirits for the coming of the Christ child. So we believe as as a community of believers that this is a season of journeying to the manger as we make our way closer and closer to the stable where, where we believe Christ is born. It's a season of waiting, a season of expectation. And, and what I've realized and what we talked about a little bit at the beginning of the message last week is that for me, how I've come to phrase that, especially this season of Advent, is that it's a season of of coming home. That's what this season feels like to me oftentimes, especially as I think back to the Christmases of my childhood. I feel like we are waiting to finally be able to come home to the Christ child. It reminds me of of walking into my house after a long trip, right? When I've just wanted to be home for the last two hours of that car ride. And we walk in, we talked about this last week, right? We walk into our houses and we forgot the way our houses smelled, but we're like reminded like, "Ah, okay, yes, I'm finally home. And and we hear the front door creak and we kind of forgot that our front door creaked and our house is a mess and our kitchen is messier than we thought we had left it. And our stuff is everywhere and we don't know what we're going to eat for dinner. But at the same time, we just, we just had this sense of peace because we finally made it home. That's what's often stirred within me during this season of Advent, as we make our way to the manger, trusting that when we get there, the presence of God will be with us. And it'll be a place where we can rest, a place where we can find peace, and and I think a place that we can call home. Last week, we lit the candle of peace on our Advent wreath, and we used the words of the prophet Isaiah to help us envision, to help us imagine perhaps the peace that will come with the Christ child. And this morning, we lit the candle of hope on our Advent wreath. So you can imagine that that in the message this morning, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about hope, specifically what it may look like for us this season of Advent to come home to hope. But I think that begs a question for us, and it's a question that I found myself asking this week. What would that look like for us to come home to hope? If you look at the Advent wreath, the the four candles that we will light on our way to Christmas Day is the candle of peace, which we've already lit, the candle of hope, which we lit today. Next week, we're going to light the candle of joy. That's the pink candle. And then the Sunday before Christmas Eve, we're going to light the candle of, of love. And if I'm being honest, what I realized this week is that for me, the candle of hope And I think the theme of hope in general is the most elusive to me out of those four themes, out of those four topics that we're going to spend some time talking about each each morning. What do we really mean when we light the candle of hope? What, What are we really saying when we're saying that we are hoping for the Christ child to come or that we trust that the Christ child will bring hope? What does that what does that mean So this week, I realized that that if we're really going to be able to sink our teeth into that, that I think we need to do a little bit of work defining what we mean as Christians when we use the word hope. 
Or in other words, what is Christian hope? And how is that different from how we may use that word in our daily lives? Because if you're like me, you use the word hope often, just as you're, as you're going about your life. I think sometimes we think about hope as this sort of last resort, right? When we're completely out of other options, we will say, well, at least, you know, I still am managing to have some sense of, of hope. Well, I think we do this especially when we watch our favorite teams play. I don't know how many of y'all have been following the U.S. men's national team on their World Cup journey. It ended yesterday, right? But every single year, what, what do I have every four years when the World Cup starts? I have I have hope. We were down 2-0, and we scored a goal like towards the end of the second half, and we made it 2-1. And do you know what I did in my foolishness? I, I hoped. The announcers made me have hope. And then the Dutch scored again, and they put us away, and it was over. But it felt like a last resort, right? Like I, I knew it probably wasn't going to work out the way that I wanted it to go, but for some reason, I managed to have hope. We use it in other ways too, though. I, th- I think sometimes we use that word as, as a way of, of conveying that we're feeling maybe a little optimistic about something. Me and my wife, Madison, have a son that's about eight years old. And when Reed is really strapped into that car seat, good and tight, and he begins to get that look on his face, and his face turns red, and he kind of stops breathing for a second, and he starts to grunt, and you know exactly what muscles he is flexing, and then you hear the action happen in the car seat, Every single time, what do I have? I have just, just a little bit of hope that maybe this time that diaper will hold up, right? That it won't come out the sides, that it won't make a mess, that it'll be an easy diaper change. Maybe it's just gas, right? Maybe it's not what I think it is. And sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. But I mean, we do this with bigger things in our life too, right? We, we, we cling to hope. I think we do it when we face a really difficult medical diagnosis. We find ourselves clinging to hope. We do it when we face uncertainty at work. If, if we have a season of life where we're not really sure where our next paycheck is going to come from. Sometimes we find ourselves in a season where the way we articulate it is, is that we are clinging to hope. I think when we look at, at the world, right? When we look at the wars and the injustice and, and all the stuff that's going on in the world that, that we wish we could change, but that for some reason it just makes us feel powerless at the same time, we find ourselves just clinging to hope that one day it will be different. I think for some people, hope looks like buying a lottery ticket or, or making a trip to a casino, right? Some, some sort of trust that, that maybe this time the odds will be in their favor. They have They have hope. What I realized this week is that because of how we use that word in our society, because of how we use it in our everyday language, when we light the candle of hope on a day like this, we can make the mistake of thinking that what we are talking about in this moment is just just luck or, or chance or just hoping that, that maybe this time around it'll, it'll go our way, or, or we think that, that maybe we're lighting this candle as some sort of last resort or, or a shot in the dark, or, or just a blind hoping that maybe it will turn out the way that we want it to turn out. But that's not what we mean when we light that candle of hope. And I, and I think this can really be confusing for us, because we as Christians, when we talk about hope, we're talking about something different. 
We're not talking about a last resort. We're not talking about a a shot in the dark. For us, the hope that we cling to is something that rests on a foundation that, that is much more solid than any of those other ways that we use hope in in our daily lives i found a video this week uh, by an author and a writer she's a pastor in texas named danielle schroyer and i think the way she articulates the way christian hope for us is different is is really helpful so i wanted us to just to watch that video together this morning what does hope mean to you oh. are christians i mean people say hope what is is christian hope different that's a tricky question. I think that people have been a whole lot of things. I guess what makes Christian hope different is that, um, if you believe what Moltmann says, that it's backed up by God's promises. And so we're not just like, oh, hoping that our team wins and it could sort of either happen or not happen. Or we're hoping that, you know, we get that job, which we may or may not get. But when we have Christian hope, we're actually saying, We're hoping for something that God has already promised to do. And so, yeah, Christian hope is different because we trust that God will do what God said God would do. And what God's saying saying that God will do is make all things new. And so, yeah, Christian hope is simply that way of saying, yeah, it sucks right now. It's the worst right now. But God said, behold, I'm making all things new. And we trust that God finishes all the work that God starts. So... I think Christian hope is everything. I don't know how else we get up when we when we feel like the world is just dark and horrible or when we feel like we're dark and horrible. I don't know how else we get up except for to say the story isn't finished yet and we don't know how it's going to get there and we don't know what's going to happen between now and then, but we know that the ending is going to be this. That's what hope is. It's just the, the assured ending of consummation that God will fulfill and make whole all the things not just this blind faith right it's it's not a shot in the dark it's it's not a last resort it is us trusting that god is going to do what god said god was going to do it's us as a people of faith trusting that god is going to keep god's promises to us that's what we mean when we use the word hope in the context of our faith That's what we mean when we light the Christ candle. We trust that God will keep God's promises. This morning, our text is again from the prophet Isaiah, and we're going to read about one of those promises from God. We're in Isaiah chapter 11 this morning, verses 1 through 10. And it's a bit of a long scripture reading, but just just hang with me and, and listen for the promises that are hidden in this passage of scripture. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his eyes hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be a belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. 
The cow and the bear shall graze together. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child play over the hole of asp, and the weaned child put its hand at the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nation shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. This is the word of God for you, the people of God, and we say together, thanks be to God. The promise, the the primary promise that we find in this passage from Isaiah is that first verse, and then it's alluded to again in the last verse, that a shoot shall spring from the stump of Jesse, and that the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon this shoot that is springing from the stump of Jesse. That sounds like a really great promise, doesn't it? When I read that, I wasn't totally sure what I was supposed to take away from that promise. I wasn't totally sure what that promise meant. So if that's our promise, then let's ask the question together, what does that mean? Well, when Isaiah was speaking these words about 2,500 years ago, it was to a community that was really concerned that God had broken a promise to them. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, God makes a promise to King David that someone from his lineage, someone from the Davidic line, would always, 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 forever be on the throne of Judah, be the king over Israel. God tells David that he will establish his throne and his line forever. Ever, forever, forever, that there will always be someone sitting on the throne that is from the line of David. This is often referred to as the Davidic covenant. It's one of many covenants that we have in our scripture, especially the Old Testament between humans and, and God. And I think that passage in 2 Samuel is, is really, really important to us, not just because of the promise that God is making to David, but also because it gives us a lens through which we can recognize and see Christ and what the coming of Christ means. And we're going to talk more about that a little bit later, but I want you to know there's really two sides to this, right? There's the promise that God is making to David in that moment, but then for us as we read it, we can see that promise being fulfilled by Christ. So maybe just, just with that little bit of information, you can see the oomph behind this passage that Isaiah is sharing with this this people 2,500 years ago. This, this is a people who are worried that God has broken this promise to them. Why are they worried? Well, it, it's because they find themselves in exile. Isaiah is speaking to a people who either find themselves in Babylon in exile with Jerusalem being destroyed, or it's written to a people who have just made their way back from exile and Jerusalem is still destroyed and they don't have a king. People argue about when exactly this text is dated. But for us this morning, I think all we need to know is that Isaiah is speaking to a people who are deeply concerned and have some pretty good evidence that God may have broken this promise to them because they faced exile and they don't see anybody from the line of David on the throne. But they remember that promise from God that Israel would have a king from the line of David forever. And God gives Isaiah this word to speak to this people. This broken, 
tired, hope-starved people that from the stump of Jesse, Jesse is David's father, from the stump of Jesse, from, from the line of David, from that stump, a shoot is going to grow. A shoot is going to emerge. And on that shoot, the Spirit of God will rest. And that shoot will take, will take root and establish a rule of, of peace and of hope, fulfilling all of these promises that God has made to us, that a shoot will rise from the stump of Jesse. God is promising to do for these people what God has already said God would do. He's reminding them that he is a God who keeps his promises and that they can hope in that. Because God is always going to do for us what God promised God would do. I think a fair question to ask now, right, for us, is that that all sounds great, doesn't it? That sounds wonderful. If I was someone who was found in the midst of exile, I would be craving those words as well. But what does that mean for us here and now during this season of, of Advent? The season where we prepare for the arrival of the, the Christ child. I think, I think first, before we answer that question, we just need to be willing to, it, to admit that we aren't very different from those folks that heard these words come from the mouth of a prophet all those years ago. That we still face situations and, and challenges in our life. We face seasons of hardship and seasons of questioning and things that are, that are unknown, that we feel like we don't have any control over, that in one way or another make us wonder if God has forgotten about us. Make, make us wonder if God is actually going to keep his promises to us, us as individuals, but also us as a community of believers. Whether it's that diagnosis or grief or financial trouble or, or anxiety or, or depression, I mean, right? I mean, there's a whole host of things in our life that we can encounter or that can happen to us that put us in a place for one reason or another that make us question, is God really going to keep God's promises to us, wondering where we can place our hope, wondering what can hold our hope, wondering if God's promises are things that we can actually place our hope in. In the face of that, this, this promise that we find in Isaiah, I think it also helps us as a people of faith today prepare for the coming of the Christ child because it reminds us as well where we should be and where we can actually place our hope. If you were to open up those Bibles in front of you and you were to turn to the gospel of Matthew, you would see a genealogy of Jesus. That's how the gospel of Matthew begins. I think it's something that oftentimes we skip, but it's what Matthew gives us right out of the gate. And if you were to read that genealogy this morning, you would notice that Jesus is of the Davidic line. You would notice that Jesse is in Jesus's family tree, David's father, and that David is in Jesus's family tree. And that illustrates for me one of the things that I love the most about Scripture. 
Because when we take a step back, we can see that these words from the prophet Isaiah, that they held a deep and a rich meaning for the original ears that heard these words come from the mouth of of the prophet as they desired more than anything for just an inkling of hope to hold on to as they sought to rebuild their city after coming out of, of exile. And nearly 2,500 years later, as we sit here and read those same words, we too find hope. As we deeply crave it, just just an inkling of it this Sunday of Advent, we too find hope. As these words give us a way to recognize who is this Christ child that we are expecting? Who is this Christ child that we place our hope in? And the answer that we find here that Isaiah gives us to help us begin to make sense of this is that this Christ child is a shoot emerging from the stump of Jesse, a sign that that God's promises can, can be trusted because God always comes through. It's another sign for us that God's promises are sturdy enough for us to place our hope in. Remember what the text says. It's through the reign of this Christ child, through this this shoot from the stump of Jesse. Hear it from verse 6. That the wolf shall live with the lamb. That the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together. And the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze together. Their young shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The, The promise that we cling to, the hope that we place in is is that we know, right? We know that God's promises can be trusted. So really, when you begin to see all of that, you see just, just how rich the meaning is that we can glean from this text from the prophet Isaiah. It had a deep meaning for those people that first heard it as they found themselves in the midst of exile. For thousands of years, it has given Christians a way to recognize who this Christ child is that that we long for during this season of Advent. But I I think there's one more layer for us to consider to this when, when we think about what it means for us as Christians to have hope and also what this text can do for us as we make this journey to the manger during the season of Advent. What, what hope can we really glean from this text today? Here, right? In 2022, second Sunday of Advent, Hoover, Alabama, when we read this text, what kind of hope does it give us that we can cling to as we walk out of these doors and go about our normal lives this next week? I don't know if you noticed this, but, but one of my favorite things about this text, one of my favorite things about the hope that we often find in Scripture is that it looks our reality right in the face from a stump. From a stump, hope is born. From from a stump, a shoot will grow. From from a stump, we get a sign that, that God will keep God's promises. We may not feel like we're coming out of exile like those people that, that, that heard this message first, right? I think our faith and our lives have changed pretty dramatically over the course of these thousands of years that this text has helped people recognize who this Christ child is that is coming. But one thing that we still have in common with them is that, my goodness, do we have stumps in our life. 
We do. We, we have places in our life that feel, that feel hopeless. Stumps that, that for one reason or another we are convinced that, that God can't redeem. That, that God can't bring new life out of. That, that God can't restore. Places that have been cut off. Places that have been hurt. Places where we find uncertainty. Places where we just plain and simple, we don't have hope. And if this text should teach us anything this morning, I, I, think, I think it's this. That there is no stump in our life where God cannot bring new life from. Hear that this morning. There, there is no stump in our life that God cannot restore. There is nothing in your life that God cannot redeem. I think for us here and now, this season of Advent, that's what coming home to hope looks like for for us. Realizing what this text, what the prophet is really trying to get us to see that is right in front of our face this morning and that we will experience and live this week as we walk out of these doors. To be reminded that what we see in this text, what we see in the Christian story, what we see as we read all of scripture and what we see every single year when we watch the manger be filled with the Christ child on Christmas day is that when we walk with God what we will see we will see what looks hopeless spring hope we will see what looks dead come back to life we will see from the womb of a virgin a a baby we'll see an old stable in Bethlehem and before we know it before our eyes there will be a savior present We can walk out of this door and find a stump and know that whatever for us during this season of life, whatever that stump is, we can trust that because of who our God is, we know that one day a shoot will emerge from that stump, that there is no place to cut off for God to redeem. We can know, friends, that we worship a God who keeps his promises. We worship a God that can hold our hope We worship a God that is always with us. And we give thanks for that. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning in to our message this week in the gathering. We hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. As always, you're invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. either in person here in the chapel or online. If you want to know more about who we are at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, you're invited to check out our website. There you'll find out who we are, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of it. As always, friends, if there's anything that we can do for you, you're invited to reach out to us. We are here to help you and support you in any way that we can. We hope that you're having a great week, and we look forward to seeing you soon.